Welcome to the Laws of Wellness, brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Here are your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Hello and welcome to the Laws of Wellness podcast, proudly brought to you by Zaparis Lawyers. Marcus Pierce is my name. Dr. Damien Christoph is the king of wellness. He is the top dog of wellness. Great man. Today, curly mm. conversation for some, but yes. I am really excited to talk all things the laws of great mental health and wellness with you. Yes, PC, it can be curly for some people, but that's because they're confronted by what it might mean or what it might actually bring up for them. And like we've done before, we're not we're not going to be prescriptive and we're not going to say this is what's wrong with it and this is how you got to fix it, but we're going to have a nice open conversation about what mental health would be, uh, whether or not it's uh, achievable, um, and how you can actually improve your mental health um, status and top up your mental health bucket. So, you know, I think we cover off some really great things. We've got five big, rich laws in here that can help people make some great decisions and, uh, and, and, and help people out. This is a biohacking-free zone. This is a diet-free zone. There is no weird and wonderful tips and tricks to improve mental health. Get ready for some core, foundational, achievable ways to experience great mental health on another edition of The Laws of Wellness. Damo, mental health. I think we say the word and I think some people aren't sure whether to frown, whether to smile, whether to look down at the ground, whether to give someone a hug. It's a it's a buzzword, but it's also become very generic and it's become an umbrella term for whether we're talking about depression or anxiety or guilt or resilience or grit or happiness. Um where do you stand on it? I don't want to sound jaded. I think I'm just a bit confused by the whole conversation around it. Where do you sit on mental health as a term in today's landscape? I actually really like the term. Like I, I really find in you know today's age where things need to be inclusive. It's probably one of the more inclusive terms. You know, we we talk about we talk about people's mental health on a spectrum. So it's either their mental health is in decline or their mental health is in great shape, you know. And so it's easy to pop yourself somewhere on the spectrum of mental health to discuss with your friends and family. It's now no longer seen to be a bad thing Mm. um, or a good thing. It just is like, you know, how's your mental health? Mm. You know, I've been better. Um, Or how's your mental health? Unbelievable. I feel fantastic. Life's going terrific, you know. Um, That whole... The phrase mental health is, or the term mental health is a great way to do, sum up as an umbrella term for where it is that we sit in our headspace at that point in time. That is a really good point, actually. It's removed any stigma, particularly you would say in, a, in, the, in the masculinity world, but for any human being, it has removed the stigma of talking about your feelings and yes. And how you are. So I suppose my hesitation as a, as a, as a, as an ex journalist is that even the World Health Organization describes um, mental health is a state of mental well being that enables people to cope with the stresses of life, realize their abilities, learn well, and work well, and contribute to their community. So my my hesitation is, gosh, it's so 
diverse. There's at one point, am I giving to my community? At another point, am I working well? How's my family life? But regardless of of the of the broadness of the definition, what you're saying, and I 100% agree, is just bringing up the term, even in a question, how's your mental health, opens up the conversation of something a whole lot more empowering than talking about the weather. Yeah, absolutely, PC. You know that World Health Organization definition? It almost is incorrect because that World Health definition presupposes that mental health is referring to good mental health, um, not poor mental health. So, mm. um, like, it's it's written as if the bucket's full. Well, I would also argue on the other side that the term health, mm. as opposed to the term sickness, <laughs> is, yeah. uh, uh, alludes to the fact that we're talking about something healthy <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe we're double maybe we're stretching it but yeah. no but I what we're i think yeah. what it is there's there's a spectrum yes and so where the definition kind of falls short is that you know mental health refers to it should be mental health is uh the spectrum by which we can measure or see yes um how resilient, how able are we to continue to do the things yes. that give us purpose and so on and so forth. Yes. And so, um, like, I, I really love it. I, I love the term and I love that uh, if we look at it as a spectrum, we can fall anywhere on that spectrum and it's much the same as pain tolerance um, for mm. one person. You know, if someone sticks a nail through their finger um, and another person sticks a nail through their finger, if you're used to having nails put through your finger like a builder <laughs> uh, versus nails through your finger if you're a lawyer, for example, yeah. or a chiropractor like me. If if you're not used to it, it might hurt more. Um, and so yeah. people's pain tolerance is different. It's the same as mental health. you know. So what a financial stress might be for one person could be, you know, like finding 20 cents on the pavement for another person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it's just it just depends um, on 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 your life experience and how you've learned to resolve challenge or how you've learned to celebrate um, your wins. Yeah, nice. This is good. This is good. So on this episode today, we want to really discuss five tips to improve your mental health and not from a, uh, because we were both saying before we recorded this, we we both don't really enjoy being prescriptive in any way, shape or form. So we're going to talk around things that we would even talk to our kids about. Um, this yep. is not something that's specific to any one individual. This is something that for human health, uh, for good human mental health, exceptional human mental health, um, we believe that these five elements um, are really important. So the first one, Damo, and you are um, you are much more qualified to talk about this, but I think it's just as important as you do, is the importance of one's sleep. I've never met someone who's up and about in a really healthy way after a poor night's sleep. It is a whole lot harder to feel mentally healthy uh, when you have not had a good night's sleep. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, how much sleep does one need? It's very difficult to say. And we've, we speak about this in, you know, in many of the podcasts that you and I have done in terms of how much sleep you need. We know that sleep moves in cycles of 90 minutes. You fall into your deeper sleep uh, through a 45-minute cycle and then you come out of that circadian rhythm um, over another 45 minutes. So that gets you to the other side of it. Uh, and sleep is so important because that's when you repair and your rest and your regeneration actually takes place and and uh, and we need it. So some people like to do power naps through the day and that can be really rejuvenating and regenerating. Um, other people just like to get their sleep done in one big bang like I do. Um, some people measure their, she- their sleep and I measure my sleep. I use um, wearable tech for that sort of stuff, you know, health tech. 
Um, I love that um, to help me understand how good my sleep is. And and what's interesting about that is that it helps me be more hygienic when it comes to sleep in that I practice better hygiene around sleep preparation, whether it's dimming the lights or turning the screens off and reading a book or lying on a posture pole and stretching out my chest and doing deep breaths or any of those sorts of things. Like if my sleep hasn't been that good or if my readiness score from my aura ring doesn't light up the skies, then I'm thinking, okay, what do I need to do to get a better reading? And um, because I know how important sleep actually is. So got to get sleep. It's crucial. So I think all of us can agree that, yeah, sleep is is one. The one that, again, I feel very strongly about, and you and I have spoken about on other podcasts, how we are both, um, we're both extroverts. We love being with people. We get our energy from people. Um, mm-hmm. But there are probably a 50-50 split in the world of introverts versus extroverts. And yes, there are various degrees and there's ambiverts and bits and bobs. But I think for me, one of the biggest um, ingredients in modern society of having really good mental health is knowing if you are an introvert or an extrovert and behaving accordingly. So I might just go on my little work, um, put my work hat on for a minute here and just say that you know, an introvert is someone that thrives in smaller group environments one-on-one, one-to-small group. Um, you know, speak to health practitioners that are very happy going to the same place um, every day, like every day, um, and being in one room and having people come in on one-on-one engagements all day long. And that's and that, that's what they love. I know for, for, for me, that just drives me batty, just having one-on-one conversations all day long. As a speaker, I want to be in group rooms, big groups, Um neither one is better than the other but the modern world is almost telling us to be extroverts social media is like look at me i'm out and about and here and there and when i'm talking with clients that are introverts they feel guilty for not wanting to go out more for not wanting to um accept more social engagements and they often feel bad on on themselves when they're so tired after socializing and kind of forgetting that an introvert is like a battery they wake up full and the end of the day, they just want to curl up in on the couch, put a blanket on and relax. Um, an extrovert can pretty much get energy at any time of the day, depending on the quality of the people that are around them. Um, yeah. So I feel like good mental health is around behaving accordingly with mm-hmm. our extroversion or introversion. Um, anything on that for you? Oh, I really love that. I love that. And I bet I also think it's really important to be true to yourself because some people call yes. themselves an introvert, but you're actually an extrovert. You need yes. that fueling up. You yes. can't be by yourself. Um, yes. And then also some people think that they're an extrovert, but really they're an introvert. So yes. you're kind of misbehaving to fit a social norm. So you've got to be true to yourself. You know, if it feels uncomfortable and you're not thriving in it, then don't push through it. It's kind mm. of not ideal to do that. Yeah, love that. Absolutely. And then, and then slightly connected to that um, – is, and again, not here to poo-poo social media at all, but just the levels of social media consumption kind of parallel to mental health. And I'm not saying this with any fact. It's definitely just an opinion. But lower lower social media consumption, more often than not, will, have, will lead to higher levels of mental health and higher levels of social media consumption will often influence lower mentals, lower levels of mental health. And I would never say to banish it. No way. I consume it. Um, I just think a level of consciousness around social media consumption is really important, particularly if we're in tired or vulnerable states. If Mm. we are feeling tired and vulnerable, the last place you want to go to 
is where everyone else is showing the best versions of themselves. I think that's a really dangerous game to play for mental health. Yeah, mate, I totally agree with that. Um, the vulnerability piece is is important to recognise, but it's not necessarily just vulnerability for how you're feeling yourself, but it's your age level of vulnerability as well. So with your children, um, and this is you know great for you if you you know listening to this, and it's your brother or sister that's younger than you, or if it's your children that are you know that you're thinking about, their brains vulnerable to social media, um, and that vulnerability is not something that you can easily measure. It's because their brain hasn't developed properly yet. You know, so the older and wiser you get, and I say that as now, I suppose I'm nearly fifty when we, as we record this. The older and wiser you get, the more you um, need less external validation. The younger you are, the more you require external validation, um, just by virtue of the way in which your brain's wired. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, be mindful of that too. I think it's important to recognize that younger brains um, can be far more negatively and positively influenced by external factors such as social media. Yeah, that is very well said. Very well said. Um, what about movement? I think for me, like going for a walk or, you know, multiple times a day without a phone, just to clear the air, particularly if I've been in front of a computer and lots of, you know, either coaching conversations or just admin, it's like, all right, I've just got to get out, get some fresh air, go for a walk, not take a phone, not consume, just, just, yeah, go for a walk. What's what, again, from a health professional's perspective, what role do you see movement, whether it's strenuous anaerobic movement, whether it's regular aerobic sweaty movement, whether it's a stroll, whether it's gardening, whether it's yoga, Pilates, like can you talk to that, uh, put your chiropractor, naturopath, nutritionist hat on and talk to that from a physiological perspective and then that that um, psychological um, impact on our, on our mental health? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's a lot of research around this. Um, the uh, the active movement is, is it's uh, at its basic level is really just to bring oxygen through the whole of the tissues and to help pump waste out of the body. So as you move, you move oxygen around your system. You increase your heart rate, so you you know I suppose you're clearing and regenerating red blood cells and you know um, and and debris from the system. But as you move and your heart pumps more, your lymphatic system actually, you know, pumps better and clears out and drains uh, into the liver for you to be able to then clear all this junk out and just get rid of it. So the stasis that's built up through no, and, and you know absence of movement is enormous. So that in itself is challenging for the body. But then if you think about um, being outside and moving, um, there's a lot of research that talks about the amount of time that's required to be moving and at what pace. Um, you need to be moving out in order to decrease the impact of cortisol on your body. And cortisol, as we know, is a stress hormone that's that's you know related to anxiety and overwhelm and aggression, um, cravings of you know certain types of foods, uh, particularly our what we call sweet fats. So things that are salty and sweet and fatty, those sorts of things um, we crave as a result of being fatigued and running on. An, cortisol, not running on adrenaline or fuel. So we start to crave that sort of stuff. We can decrease the impact of that by just walking at a pace that you could talk but not sing just for 30 minutes. So if you go for a walk and the pace is, uh, you know, the pace of a walk 
but you, but you couldn't sing, then you were decreasing the impact of cortisol on your body by about 50%. So it's pretty profound, you know, that a walk could actually do that. And then there's other things, you know, like not wearing your sunglasses in the middle of the day just for, you know, a little short period of time so that you can actually trigger your pineal glands manufacture of melatonin so that you get a better sleep at night. Like how good's that? Also, like dressing down, like taking some gear off and getting out and getting some skin um, exposed to the sun helps to manufacture uh, vitamin D and also to stimulate the production of melatonin. And that's so important of helping you sleep so you can actually get a restful regenerative sleep. You know, it's good. Walking, I saw that picture movement. of you topless in the Herald Sun the other day going for a walk around Bayside. I didn't know, I know. for melatonin reasons. Yeah, they subbed, they cut my head off. And put Chris Hemsworth's head on there. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> oh, you know, <laughs> they didn't ask me for permission for that. <laughs> oh, that's so good. But that's the thing. There are probably, like you said, there's so much research, but there are just countless benefits. Yeah, moving our bodies. And the sad truth is, is that we are so sedentary. And a lot of people think as they get older, if we put our 100 not out hats on. As people get older, they think it's better to slow down and to, you know, not be as active as they used to be. Um, whereas nothing could be further from the truth. Everyone that we've interviewed that are living a great long life, uh, if not um, the same, they are more physically active as they get older because they recognize how important that physical vitality is to their good mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So important. So important. And I was actually listening to a podcast this morning and, uh, and they were talking about, um, you know, doing things when you get to certain levels, you know, so you get to 50 and you're doing this at 50, you get to 60, you're doing this at 60, you're doing, you get to 70, you're doing that at 70. And so, you know, the reality is, is that your body's going to want to slow down. And so that if you let it slow down, um, it's harder to achieve those things as you kind of get older. So it's the same when you're young and you're enthusiastic and you're vibrant, you want to maintain that movement and continue to keep on doing as much as you possibly can because that is what's going to keep things going. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, builds upon it absolutely now we haven't spoken about food as a um major ingredient for mental health um mm. i'm really tempted i'm really tempted just to get your views on because uh, i, I want to talk to you about the lifestyle of food consumption um but i'd love to just get your insights on again a bit of the macro and the micro around what foods for mental health or for good mental health and what foods are bad for mental health. Like you often talk about C and E, you know, chocolate and caffeine and um, what else is there? Cabbage. Cookie. Cookie. Yeah. Can you talk about that first Um, and what impact it it has when we have a lot of foods in our diet that start with C and N with E, um, what impact that has on our mental health. And then we'll talk about the lifestyle elements as well. Yeah, for sure. A really great way to know whether or not your body is overwhelmed or your brain is overwhelmed with your lifestyle is to check in and see how you're feeling at 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon when your adrenal glands, you know, kind of begin to be fatigued, um, are you pumping out more adrenaline or are you pumping out more cortisol? And if at 3.30, 4 o'clock you start to get a bit tired and then you start to crave stuff, you're going to start to crave things that start with C and N and E. That's where we're going with that. So you're craving carbohydrate, you're craving cake, coffee, Coke, cheese, cookie, like all these sorts of things. They all start with C and N and E, uh, which is quite amazing. Um, 
M&M's, Snickers, Violet Crumble. They don't start with C&E. You, you, right. you just never put cabbage in there. That's my one. I, I want cabbage <laughs> at 3.30 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> go on. I dare you. Uh, what have we got? We haven't got long to go. But uh, uh, that the reason why I say that is because that's your physical cue that your body is overwhelmed and you're moving into a more challenging mental health state when your cortisol levels continue to rise. Can I just ask you a quick trivia question on this? Are you saying, yes. uh, so So, is it is it physiologically normal? Yeah. Like is it, is it, I don't know if it's okay or is it normal, that at 3.30 or 4 o'clock, I feel like when the sun's beginning, when not that it's dusk yet, but, I get a bit torn about this. I yeah, I'll ask you the question rather than make the statement. Is it physiologically normal that you begin to get a bit more weary at that time of the day? You don't have yes. the same pace. Okay. So that's okay, right? But that's as good. the sun goes down, so that should change. Like in the southern hemisphere, it's going to change at a different time to the northern hemisphere. And where you live, which is closer to the equator, it should be at a slightly different time. It's all dependent on the sun. But that that also presupposes that we're spending enough time outside to be regulated by the sun. Yes. So a lot of us aren't. Aren't. And then, but what's not okay is when we go and deal with that lowered energy with carbs, cake, coffee, cheese, cookie, caffeine, and cabbage. <laughs> cabbage is so bad for you. <laughs> but the what it's not that it's not okay, it's that the repeated behavior associated with that, like if you do that every day as your coping strategy, then you're on a slippery slope. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to lose control of your uh, of your ability to keep topping up your mental health. Yeah, that's that's important to understand. So it's not that you might do it once or twice or ten times in a year. Like that's not it, or even twenty times in a year. It's if you're doing it every single day, then it's going to have a significant impact on your health and well being. Yeah, but- and then and then let's then let's let's switch gears, but stay on nutrition around lifestyle. So 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 far we've said. We're talking the five laws of great mental health. Law number one, got to get a good night's sleep. Law number two, know if you're an introvert or an extrovert and behave yeah. accordingly. Yeah. Don't try and be something that you're not. Um, uh, reduce, don't eliminate unless it's a real problem. Um, social media consumption, just keep it very conscious. Um, be active, be more active than others. Get outside, um, absorb some vitamin D, do what Damo does and take your shirt off at lunchtime um, and go for a walk. <laughs> Yeah, the paparazzi around. <laughs> yeah. And then law number five is um around food. Be mindful at that three, three thirty, four o'clock, depending where you are in the world, what time that hits, around your behavior. Um, but then what about the lifestyle if we talk more broadly around the way that we eat? So a lot of people are rushing breakfast in the car in the morning or not, they're just skipping a meal because they're getting up as late as possible. They're then having coffees. We've spoken in other podcasts we've done around when to have coffee and a lot of people are having coffees on empty stomachs um and then you know lunch it's just something from the cafe or the vending machine or something that's just you know not that healthy um dinner could be you know takeaway on the way home something fast um maybe some ice cream at afterwards which i don't have massive issues with to be honest um and then (laughs) How good's a bit of vanilla ice cream? I love uh, it. But yeah, can you talk it. about talk about that rushed, like almost like that no relationship with food? It's just this thing or this stuff we put into our mouths. But 
the art of food and the role that that, or the art of dining, I suppose, and ceremony around food and, and, and what role that plays in our mental health. Can you talk to that? Yeah, totally. Well, there's so much to that, PC, and we could make a whole series of podcasts just on that for sure. But to make it simple, to sit around a table and have conversation is very healing, very healing. You know, to get rid of the worries of the world, the worries of your day um, through conversation, um, and even just to lay it all on the table, you know, to consider with gratitude, all those sorts of things, which happens when you're with people. Mm. That's that's you know that's so powerful for mental health. The other thing is too that where you've got to rush and you've got to scoff your food down, all that sort of thing. The activity of digestion is driven via the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the resting part of the nervous system. It's your repairing part of your nervous system. And if you've got to race somewhere, let's say for example you're fanging down the street in your car and you've got a coffee and you're trying to eat, that act is putting your body into fight or flight and you're not going to be digesting as effectively and as well as what you otherwise could be and there's been times pc and you know we did this in the last podcast that we were actually uh, recording i literally just got off another meeting i was scoffing down some food and i had to get my food into my body because i was hungry and i knew that if i didn't get food in my body i wasn't going to feel as good but as a result of scoffing it down and sucking down a coffee at the wrong time of the day i then found my body feeling very tired as opposed <laughs> to feeling unbelievably well and and there's a little battle there but it's a great reminder that we all do it um and just because marcus and i are talking about this doesn't mean that we get it right every single time but it's a really <laughs> great thing to consider that if you're feeling tired after a meal it's possible that you, either your body wants to remain in parasympathetics mm. or it's possible that you've dysregulated your blood sugar because you didn't absorb your food the way you should have because you mm. triggered or activated the wrong part of your nervous system. And so you didn't digest it well. So you didn't absorb it well. So now you've gone low blood sugar. Mm. That's really interesting. And I think your point about just because you've done it once or twice, don't get down on yourself and make it a thing all the time. Like, Don't think that you're a bad person. Like, It happens to everyone. I think mm -hmm. particularly when you're traveling, you lose a lot of control of your rituals, um, yeah. and whether it's around food or whether it's around so many things. Um, but I think this is the real art of great mental health is bringing food into your lifestyle in a way that supports your mental health. So we've spoken to people before that live by themselves and they go, yeah, but I never eat with anyone else. I'm always eating alone. Well, you, you can have people over for dinner or you can talk to friends about going over to their place. Um, even if you're in the workplace, um, sharing meals with colleagues, like it's a great way to get to know your colleagues outside of just talking about work stuff. Um, I think, and it, again, it sounds so simple, but again, in the busyness of life, we often put these elements to the wayside and go, oh, no, I won't bother. You know, um, I think we just forget how easy it is to do because we we see it as not essential. But then so many people now have a really poor relationship with food and they wonder why their mental health is um, as it is because they're not allowing the food to do what it is designed to do, which is, yes, obviously to nourish us, but it is also a great way to bring people together. Imagine a party without food at the table. Like, oh, what? who can imagine? Gracious. You know? Yeah, eating's cheating. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. But, yeah, who could imagine that you wouldn't have food at a party because it brings people together? Yeah. 
Unless you've got mesomastigophonia phonia like I do, Pizzi. <laughs> you can't be near anyone that's uh, chewing. You chewing, just walk yeah. the other way real quick. It's interesting because if I am chewing, I can handle other people chewing. But if I'm not chewing, it's not good. You hear everyone else's chews. Everyone swallow their gulp, their chew, their sniff, the picking of their teeth, the <laughs> sucking of the food out of their teeth, all that sort of stuff. Mesomastigophonia <laughs> sends me into pits. Of mental health really affects me. <laughs> I reckon you'll do a TED Talk on that one day. I know you made up the word. I think it's in the Urban Dictionary now. But, yeah. um, yes, I think uh, the laws of great mental health, sleep, introversion or extroversion, just pick it properly, social media consumption, do it well, moving your body regularly, bringing more art and ceremony into your food and uh, reducing C and E foods at 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I reckon you'd be doing pretty good for yourself if you tick those five off, Damo. What do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon PC. I reckon PC. It seems like there's a lot to do, but if you start with one of them. Damo, I feel really strongly that what we just recorded then for Zaparis Lawyers is really achievable in this mental health landscape because it has become such a minefield that almost a lot of people feel like, again, a bit like uh, the conversation we had about genes. People feel disempowered when you sometimes say the word mental health, but I think that episode definitely uh, changed a few things for me. Um, And I think we've just made it very achievable for people to um, uh, improve their their mental health. Yeah, I agree, PC. Um, It's a really challenging thing to kind of um, embrace yourself without instruction. You don't know where to go. And when you turn to the Google doctor uh, or chat CPT, Whatever it is, CPG, GPT. If you turn to that thing, you could get all kinds of different answers. So the thing here is this is a really nice little instruction book, a little manual there, a little manual that gives you five simple little things to do, each of them equally as important and each of them equally as as powerful mm-hmm. um, that, could, that could help you top up your mental well-being, mental health uh, bucket. Yeah, well said, well said. And uh, for everyone at Zaparis Lawyers, make sure you share this with your friends or family or someone that you know uh, could um, really benefit from improving their mental health. Don't try and fix them, that's for sure. That will not go down well at all. But if you know there's someone that definitely wants help and is really um, determined to improve their mental health, then these five laws of great mental health will be really beneficial to you. Damo, as always... Thank you for being a part of the Laws of Wellness podcast. And until next week, everybody, or next episode, may the rest of your life continue to be the best of your life. Bye for now.